0: Last Sunday morning, as you heard me mention a few moments ago, we began a new series of studies focusing on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's entitled Developing a Courageous Faith. And so this morning we're returning to Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bible with you this morning, Matthew chapter 5 as we read together the first seven verses. If you're watching at home for the first time, let me encourage you that on a Sunday morning you're going to need a Bible, notepad and a pen or a pencil of some kind and last Sunday morning we published a new bookmark that goes hand in hand with our new study series and on the front of the bookmark you will see Sundays for August, September and October and that will be a helpful reminder to you to know where we're going on future Sundays. Now these were available as you came in this morning and they'll also be available as you leave. So if you haven't had the chance to pick one up yet, please pick one up, put it in your Bible, it's a helpful marker. And on the back page there are five questions to help stimulate your thinking as you're prayerfully asking, am I growing and maturing in my faith? What is my relationship with Christ like? And so, Those questions are there for you as well. If you are, once again, watching on the live stream, you can go to the church website, download it, then print it, and use it at home on Sunday mornings as well. And so we're coming to what is the Sermon on the Mount, and these first uh, ten verses are known as the Beatitudes. And so we're beginning chapter 5 at verse 1. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to Him, and He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. Most of us are aware that here at church over the last few months we have begun phase one of our campus redevelopment. And that meant taking down our old gymnasium, the Sims-Wilson buildings, which was adjacent to our gymnasium. And if you have driven past the church in the last few weeks or you have been coming in, you will have noticed that those buildings are now entirely down. And so over the next few weeks you're going to see construction crews looking at the building site itself preparing for construction which we trust will begin next month and we're looking forward to that. It is a very exciting campus redevelopment. Now I'd like you to hold on to that picture in your mind of demolition and construction and also to paint another picture for you and it's this that over the last few months, as all of us are aware, we have struggled a little with a global pandemic. Schools have been closed, theatres have been closed, restaurants, severely restricted, closed for several weeks, of course. And now, slowly but surely, very cautiously, we're moving forward and things are beginning to open up again. But during these last few months, many of us have had a little more time on our hands, time to pause and think, reflect a little. And as we begin to watch our children go back to school, some normal classroom activities resume, others will be in for two or three days in a week, others will be e-learning at home as part of that week. Some of our adult children will, of course, be going to college for the first time. Some will go into their final uh, year at college. Others of us at a different age and stage will be looking at retirement, downsizing. And in the midst of all of that activity, this is the time of year, as we begin to imagine the next few months unfolding, somewhere in the back of our minds, we will be asking ourselves, what is it I want to achieve over the next few months? Teachers will be asking the question, tutors, guidance counselors, moving house, what kind of house will we need? What do we want to achieve? But when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus begins to teach a huge crowd that had gathered, He's not so much focused on what is it you want to achieve, but the question that runs again and again throughout the Sermon on the Mount is this. Who am I becoming amidst all I want to achieve? Who am I becoming? And that question will surface several times this morning as we get deeper and deeper into this passage Whenever God begins to work in those deep recesses of the soul, often He begins by asking us questions. Often He gets our attention. He begins to ask us to look closely at our relationship with Him. Is it where it needs to be? Are we living out our faith each day? Are we equipping ourselves in prayer and in the study of His Word as we seek to grow in our faith? And as He begins to work, He often begins to dismantle. He begins a process of demolition, to take away old habits, thought processes that need to change, behavior patterns. He begins the demolition before he can build and begin the construction. With all of that in mind this morning, let's come to the Beatitudes that begin, Blessed are the meek. Now you may be sitting there this morning watching online and in your mind you are saying, Richard, I watched last Sunday morning, I downloaded the bookmark, I've been asking those questions, I've been seeking to grow in my faith. But let me interrupt you before you get started, because when you get started, some Sundays I can't keep up. So let me get my question out at the beginning. This past week I've been reading the Sermon on the Mount, and each time I've been reading it in preparation for today... I've kind of had that overwhelming sense that Jesus is setting the bar very high, and quite honestly, as I read the Sermon on the Mount, I can't do this. I can't. I fail each time I try, and honestly, as I read the Sermon on the Mount, I end up feeling guilty. I end up feeling as if I failed. And if that describes you in any way, please hear this. Jesus doesn't deliver the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon in all of history, to make us feel guilty. He doesn't deliver it in order to make us feel hopeless or have a sense of despair. In fact, he does the opposite. What he's saying is this. This is how the Christian life should be and I will never ask you to seek to live out your faith on your own but I will be right there with you strengthening you encouraging you equipping and enabling you to rise up to what it should be and so if if you've been struggling this week as you've read the Sermon on the Mount and think I simply can't do this let me encourage you this morning He never asks us to do it on our own. And so he begins, or at least we begin at verse 5 this morning, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, meek is not a word we hear much of in a 21st century environment. Meek is a word that we sometimes think of meekness and weakness, and somehow in our minds they go together. But when Jesus talks about meekness, he's not talking about weakness. What he's talking about is this, the enabling grace of God strengthened through the indwelling of his Spirit. So when you think of meekness, think of strength through grace. Because it's not easy To develop meekness. So what are we talking about when we think of meekness? When we think of meekness, we're thinking of an individual who intentionally develops and exercises self-control. Someone who deliberately is gentle, thoughtful, considerate, courteous, strength- through His enabling grace. My challenge to you, or at least my first challenge this morning is this, that as you go through this week, begin to ask, Father, am I demonstrating humility, thoughtfulness, courtesy, kindness, consideration? And that's hard for those of us who are A-type personalities. And I look around the congregation this morning and some of you at home will understand what I mean when I talk about A-type personalities. People who are self-starters, achievers. The day is not fulfilled unless you accomplish. But sometimes in our drivenness, our ambition to accomplish it can be a painful experience. Because sometimes our ambitions will take us to heights where our character is incapable of sustaining us for the long haul. Now let me say that again. And if you are, and I'm talking to myself this morning, I know what it means to be a driven individual, I love to achieve, I love to accomplish, get things done... But I've also got to ask myself, will my natural desire for ambition and achievement take me to a place where my character cannot sustain who I am? And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus focuses on character. Because in the economy of God, who you are, is always, always, always much more important than what you achieve, always. And so, he takes them to meekness. Now, let me take this a little deeper this morning. Over the summer when I was on vacation and study leave and a little bit of sabbatical rolled in there, I read multiple books and I wish I could remember the author where I jotted this down because I was fascinated by it and it was a genuine challenge to me. And he focused on meekness. The author then went on to say that in order for us to develop meekness and to be conscious of it in our lives, practicing a ruthless honesty with yourself will help. Asking those deep, personal, searching questions of our own behavior, our own thought process, our working environment, how we engage with our family, folks in our neighborhood. That is a hard thing to do. That's why this series is called Developing a Courageous Faith. It takes courage to prayerfully look at your heart and mind and soul and then to change in light of all that Christ is teaching you. One of the things the author mentioned was, do not make important decisions without others. Parents, grandparents those of you who have a department you're responsible for in your working environment, wherever you spend most of your day. Be careful when in your mind you're having conversations with yourself, you are initiating all of the decisions and then carrying them out, and your work colleagues are left behind, your family's left behind. You are forging forward, and no one's coming with you. Do not make important decisions without others secondly has God called me to this or am I driven to succeed big difference ever found yourself in the situation where you are planning praying thinking putting all of your dreams together then ask God to bless what you want to do anyway I would have to put my own hand up and say guilty as charged. Has God called me to this or am I driven to succeed? Number four, have I fully surrendered this desire to the Lord? Changing house, going for promotion, whatever you hope to achieve over the next few months. Have I taken this to God and said, Father, This is what I'd like to see happen. This is what I'd like to do. Here are my plans and hopes. But if you are not in this, take this away. Remove it. Take this desire from me. I don't want any part of it. That's what it means to fully surrender and submit to His rule and reign. That's hard. That takes courage. Am I resorting to human methods to accomplish God's plan? Do I find myself manipulating, maneuvering, outsmarting others in order to get what I want and then put God's plan on it? Really? And be careful. Be careful when accomplishments alone bring great satisfaction. Remember the principle, who you are, is much more important than what you accomplish. Driven people often have little regard for integrity and may resort to ethically questionable practices. Be careful if you find yourself tempted in that area. That's an uncomfortable comment and one we would rather not think about, but it's a challenge to us this morning. Are we submitting and surrendering every aspect of our life to him or are we leaving him simply for Sunday morning and not living out our faith in our working environment in the close of the course of the week? Driven people sometimes possess limited or underdeveloped people skills. There is often a trail of bodies in their wake if you are wounding your colleagues, if you're hurting your family members in order to achieve, it's time to think again. And sometimes driven people, they see people as participating in a competition and are to be beaten. That's the mindset. Driven, running, a sense of accomplishment day after day. Be careful. And one of the warning signs is that often folks in that situation possess a volcanic anger. And whenever I find myself in pastoral counseling situations, teasing out what lies behind the desire to achieve and accomplish, there is often deep insecurity there, and it comes with an overwhelming anger. And finally, if you are abnormally busy, many of us are busy, and I understand that, but if you are abnormally busy, please be careful. And remember, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Who we are, much more important than what we do. Meekness is an integral part Of Christian character. Having highlighted meekness. Jesus takes his listeners to a whole other level. And he moves into verse 6. And he says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Sometimes if I find myself driving. Or I'm exercising in the evenings. I will put on a sermon to listen to. To help pass the time. And over the years i found that to be of great blessing as I'm listening to others, learning from them, growing in my faith, hopefully maturing in my relationship with Christ. And that's a great source of spiritual teaching. But what I also know is this, that in the Sermon on the Mount, as I mentioned earlier, the greatest sermon in all of history, the more i engage with it the deeper i take it the more intentional i am about applying it to my life what i discover is this that i begin to fall more and more and more in the love with the person who first delivered it i don't do that with any other sermon any other workshop any other book but i do it with christ because as you grow and mature and develop in your faith, your love for Him grows and matures and develops. And that's a wonderful sign. And as your love for Him develops, you find yourself in the situation of being challenged to ask yourself, am I hungering, am I thirsting for righteousness? sometimes people will say to me when we come to this passage of Scripture, Richard, doesn't Scripture teach that the righteous shall live by faith in Romans chapter 1 or thereabouts? Isn't that a famous verse? And of course they're right. The righteous shall live by faith. So how can we possibly hunger and thirst for something we have already? Well, the Gospel works like this. Now when God begins to call to us heart and mind and soul, when we're exposed to his love and we realize his grace and his love for us and we respond in repentance and he touches us and changes us and transforms us, not only does he transform us, not only does he give us new appetites and new desires, not only does he give to us a new way of thinking, not only does he bring us into a relationship with himself and declare us to to belong to him, he forgives us for our sin, every past sin, every present sin, every future sin, and he declares us to be righteous. That's how he sees us. And so when he looks at us, he sees us just the same as he sees Christ. And that is a remarkable blessing of submitting and surrendering your life to God. That's how it looks to God. And we are therefore considered righteous. But here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is not describing our status before God. He's describing our character. And He's asking, is there a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? Last Monday, I had an incredibly busy day. I went through the morning without pausing for breakfast. I rushed right through lunch, had back-to-back meetings most of the day. And at the end of the day, when I sat in my car in the parking lot of the church, just around 5, 5 5.30, heading home, I suddenly realized how hungry i actually was and it hadn't crossed my mind up till that point i'd been drinking during the day and hydrating and I, I was doing fine but as soon as i started driving home the first thing i did was i phoned ruth and said what's for dinner i am starving and she said you can't be that hungry i said absolutely i forgot about breakfast i'm ready to eat and she said that's fine and as you can imagine. After dinner, there wasn't much left on the plate. In fact, the pattern was beginning to diminish. On the plate, I had gone so quickly. But this week, as I had looked at this passage, I had to stop and ask myself one of those deep, powerful, searching personal questions. Is there within my own heart and soul that longing desire... For righteousness, for honesty and integrity, accountability, character. Is there a longing desire to live a godly life of righteousness? Is there that deep longing, that passionate hunger for holiness and purity? and to fall more and more in love with him. Is it there? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. That's how it should be. And let me become very practical now, in this election season, as we begin to think and vote politically about our future, are we looking at candidates who exemplify for us righteousness? In whose character we see honesty, integrity, accountability. Folks we can trust, people we would want in national leadership. Are we praying for them? Are we longing to be voted into office and trying to support them and gather around them and drop them a note from time to time and say, I'm thinking of you and praying for you. Men and women for whom character matters. Men and women who want to live righteous lives. Do we long for that not only in our personal lives, but in our families, our neighborhoods, our society, our nation? Here is the Word of God speaking into our lives. Is that what we long for? Righteousness. These are tough issues to deal with. That's why it's called developing a courageous faith. It takes us to a whole new level. And then finally, blessed are the merciful. Tuesday morning when I arrived for work of course I parked next to the construction area as I was walking in the back door there's a chain link fence there and two or three of the construction crew were there hard hats shovels one of them had a metal detector i assume they're looking for uh underground electrical cables or water pipes and i could see them talking and pointing and clearly discussing something and as i got close to the fence i noticed them and kind of nodded and then i indicated for them to come over and they kind of looked at each other. They have no idea who I was. I had a briefcase. I assumed they thought I was someone important, but boy, did they get that wrong. But they saw me, and I kind of indicated, and they came over, and we stood with the fence between us. And I said to them, when the gymnasium went up late in the winter of 71 into the spring of 72, and when the Sims-Wilson building went up Around that time, one of our pastors and two of our elders went missing. And you know me well enough to know where this is going, but they don't know me, I had no idea. And I said, now... If you should stumble across human remains, just, 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 please, don't make a big thing out of it. Just ignore it. The statue of limitations has probably expired. No one's missing them these days. And we're Presbyterian. We don't like ever to create a fuss. Just let it go. It's not a big deal. And of course I could see them looking at each other and then the smiles came and they started to laugh. And I imagine them thinking, this Irish guy's quite funny actually. But they didn't say that, but that's what I imagine. But my point in all of this silliness is this that over the next couple of weeks, they will spend what seems to be for us an inordinate amount of time making sure that the foundation on which they are about to build is as solid as it needs to be. And God begins to work in our lives at this level. He is making sure that our foundation is solid so in His eternal purposes and plans He will take us to places where our character can sustain us, where He will get alongside us, where we will be blessed because we are living out what it means to be humble and thoughtful and meek and considerate where each day we will seek to live lives of righteousness and character and honesty and maturity, a passionate desire for holiness. And in the midst of all of that, mercy is foundational as well. And mercy, quite simply, is when we see a need, we step up. We seek to answer someone else's hurt and pain. We seek to bring wholeness and cleansing. And we do so on a holistic level, caring not just for the heart, but for the whole person. And when we find ourselves there then we are beginning to live in the light of the reality of God's Word because blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And each of us knows what it means to receive mercy and grace and love at the hands of God. This week, take some time, pause, reflect, ask, who am I becoming? Not so much, what will I achieve? Let's pray together. Father, thank you For this passage of Scripture this morning, thank you that we hear you speaking into our lives. Help us this week to come back again and again to these blessed beatitudes and enable us, please, by your grace to apply them to our lives that we might live empowered and enabled by your strength through your grace given to us. Father, bless us this week. Bless our children as they go back to school. Bless our adult children as they go to college. Folks, as they take on new jobs, face new challenges, be at the very center of their lives and hold them close. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.